Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. Our guest this week is Patrick Stevenson-Keating. So my name's Patrick Stevenson-Keating and I'm creative director at Studio PSK. Based out of an old barbershop in Peckham, in the past the studio has helped turn young athletes into scientists for Nike, taken over the entire floor of the Tate Modern Switch House for Uniqlo and even made the world's first meowing debit card for financial startup Anna Money. From coming up with the right creative strategy through to physically bringing concepts to life, it's the studio's fluid and multifaceted approach that has become a lasting trademark for the practice, rather than a signature style or look. First, Patrick tells us how his typical day varies. In terms of typical days, we're quite good at doing sort of nine to six office hours. Work is really measured in the quality of the output, not just the hours that you put in. And then in terms of the structure of the day, it's, it's really flexible as well. Sometimes you might be meeting a client, presenting work, discussing through how a project might be developing with them. Other days, you're maybe within a creative team, developing an idea, working up a pitch, actually getting your hands dirty, making stuff, prototyping things. Or you could be off-site somewhere working with a fabricator or a production partner to actually bring an idea to life. And that might be, you know, on a shoot or in a workshop or, you know, in a research institute. So it can, it can be really, really varied, which is actually why I love it so much. The space is a mixed studio space of an area to do desk work and to do like uh, computer-based stuff. But we also have a small prototyping area as well for electronic prototyping or for doing, you know, paper and card modeling, foam modeling, just experimenting with stuff physically. A lot of the work that we do focuses around, you know, the the interplay between technology and, you know, physical objects and things. So a lot of the work is spent actually trying stuff and testing things out. So it's important to have that sort of a space. The, The team itself is very, very small, really. And so myself and two others on a sort of daily basis, but that grows to expand, to encompass other people with different specialities, depending on what the project needs. Um, And again, that's one of the things that I really, really enjoy. So one project, you might be working with a computer scientist. The next one, you're working with a glass blower. The next one, you're working with, you know, an anthropologist or a screen printer. And I think having that small core team with the ability to expand and bring in people means that, you know, can really work with the best people in those particular areas. And also means that the types of projects that we do can be as varied as I sort of want them to be. One of the sort of standout projects for me has been a recent campaign for a new financial startup company called Anna Money to launch their new digital accountancy program. And it was a real sort of carte blanche to come up with you know really creative campaign work that was going to differentiate them in a sort of increasingly populated market 
So we worked with the creative director there and developed a whole campaign around the credit card and the sort of the evolution of the credit card. So that involved going to the Bank of England Museum, talking to people there, talking to, you know, people who work in finance, such as stock traders, talking to small business owners, trying to get a really extensive understanding of what money and financial services mean to all these different sorts of people. and. It was actually an insight that we got from the online retailer Etsy that ended up sort of shaping the whole project. There was a seller on Etsy that was complaining that they'd lost their cha-ching. So every time you make a sale on Etsy, you get a little sort of cha-ching feedback. And for some reason, their cha-ching had gone and they were writing like really irate sort of comments saying, you know, where's happened to my cha-ching? I loved that. I loved hearing the sound every time I made a sale. That sort of really made us want to explore the idea of sound and actually this idea of like positive reinforcement. And we ended up making uh, real debit cards that meowed every time you used them uh, as we felt, you know, the, the cat is a sort of spirit animal of the internet and uh, sort of encompassing, you know, the, our sort of generation. And uh, it felt like it was the sort of the perfect sound to represent what you might expect a digital sort of sale to sound like. So we made like a whole range of fictional credit cards to show how we got to this meowing card. And that involved like a wormhole card for making payments in the future and like uh, a musical credit card flute that you had to like play in order to make a payment. Um, so it was really, really fun, sort of quite tongue in cheek, but it was amazing to have that creative freedom to do a really mad project with the complete confidence of the brand that it was actually going to deliver. And um, so far it seems to be doing really well. Setting up his own studio was not initially part of Patrick's plan. Having grown up in Ireland, Patrick sought out any opportunity to further immerse himself in the world of design, later leaving his hometown to secure a place on the innovative product design course at the University of Dundee. So growing up in, in Ireland, there, there wasn't a huge design culture. There was uh, a lot of craft and a lot of art. And I didn't even really know what product design was, to be honest. And I remember going all around the UK, looking at these different product design courses and seeing loads of chairs that you weren't allowed to sit in and sort of sleek Batmobile-esque cars and thinking, actually, I'm not really sure product design is for me after all. But then I went up to Dundee in Scotland and the course up there was being run by a really incredible guy called John Rogers, who was this sort of creative force of nature and was just overflowing with enthusiasm. And really the thing that stood out about the course there for me was their ability to mix traditional product design skills so an understanding of materials, of, you know, aesthetics, of how to actually make things. And they were mixing all of that with technology and an understanding of how to use technology like another material, like wood or plastic. It was, it was that that really, really excited me. And the things that I learned on that course were, you know, were really amazing and far beyond what I thought I was going to learn in a, in a design degree. 
What was, I think, the most valuable thing that they taught you was the process there and an understanding of how you go from a brief to doing that, you know, really in-depth research quite quickly to become this sort of temporary expert in that area. And then how you translate this seemingly sporadic bits of information to form a much more considered proposal and then start to turn that into a story that you can tell other people. So I think this idea of design as a communication tool was probably one of the most valuable things that I learned at that course. Reflecting on his final year on the course, Patrick describes how a project about parallel universes proved to be a significant and valuable learning process. In my final year, when I told them I wanted to do a project about parallel universes, that just gave me the go-ahead and they were like, I've no idea what this is going to end up being, but we'll support you and we'll work with you to make it happen and make the best out of it. And that was a real luxury for me to have an entire year to dedicate my energy into this quite mad project. It was a quite clinical looking geometric shaped box. And it was all based around the research of this amazing physicist called David Deutsch. And there's one very simple but fundamental experiment that is used in his research, and it's called the double slit experiment. And so I basically recreated this experiment. And then inside the box, there was a whole load of electronic gubbins that connected to the internet. And anyone could come along to this machine, and it would ask them a number of personal questions such as your name, your age, your occupation, how you were feeling that day. And based on that information, it would then use an algorithm to create a short piece of narrative about what your life might be like in another universe. And then it printed that out on a little pink receipt paper and you got to take that away with you. It was quite playful, quite humorous, but actually something quite serious underpinning it all. And I was very lucky with where that project got picked up. And it definitely ended up opening a lot of doors for me, taking me all around the world as well. And I, I got to speak to people from across the design spectrum, but also within the world of technology and science. And I think that was a huge, huge learning for me, the importance to get outside of the world of design and to really open up to, you know, the, the endless exciting things that are happening out there in the world outside of design, you know, whether that's politics or science or economics. And it was only after a little bit of time that I actually figured out that essentially what I was really interested in was, was storytelling and that that project just happened to be a story about parallel universes, but the same techniques could be applied to telling a story about a brand or a product. And I think it was that moment of realization that enabled me to sort of straddle those worlds of commercial brand related projects and more artistic projects. And actually the outcomes tended to be really, really similar, but just the story or the content was that thing that differentiated them. Graduation saw Patrick relocate to London, where he landed a job at design studio Superflux, all the while trying to work out where exactly his place in industry was. 
He thinks back to that time and how a project of the University of the Arts put him on the path of getting his own company off the ground. So after I graduated from uni, I came down to London with some people in my class to show our work. And I met some great people, uh, and in particular, a company called Designers Block. And Designers Block were unknown to me, but they were, you know, a hugely influential part of the London design scene. And they really enjoyed the work that I was doing. And they actually said to me that I could have free studio space in their rundown Victorian pub. And that for me was incredible. So with the possibility of that space, I, I came down to London and was working three days a week in Cambridge at this technology startup. Um, and that was paying my rent and, you know, actually letting me live in London. And then the rest of the time I was just exploring, experimenting, doing my own stuff, continuing the sort of trajectory that I'd been on at university and really trying to discover where the sort of work that I enjoyed doing had a value, where it had a, had a place in the world. I never really had the intention setting out to set up and run a studio, run a business. It happened really, really organically. So for me, I was doing freelance work. The University of the Arts, London, they had a space in Miami that they wanted to use for Design Miami. And it started to get a bit too much for me to do by myself. So I started to get friends involved. And then after a while of doing that, I thought, well, I should probably formalize this a little bit and then set up the studio from there. The differences between being a freelancer and occasionally bringing people together to work on a project to running a studio were huge. All of a sudden, you've got to pay wages every month. You have to ensure that there is the right types of projects coming in that are going to, you know, fulfill the needs of everyone in the studio. There was rent to pay for studio space. My particular role started to change quite a lot from being, you know, incredibly hands-on with the, the creative to having to go out and talk to clients much more, having to be really proactive in terms of figuring out where the projects were coming from and being much more strategic in a way as well. So it was quite a, a big shift in terms of my particular day to day. Finally, Patrick ends by sharing his advice for emerging creatives. I think the work that you do while you're studying is incredibly important, but I think the importance comes in you exploring what sort of a designer you want to be. I would never put too much pressure on the work that you create to fully represent you. And I think that it's it's a really important part of your self-development to understand what you do and don't enjoy, but it shouldn't necessarily have to be your shop window all the time. I think it's much more valuable to try things and to fail at those things while you're at uni, but learn from those things as well. I think you shouldn't try and produce work that you think will go viral or that you think will lead to a particular outcome. You know, I think it's much more valuable to produce work that 
you're really passionate about or that has a real resonance with you. And there will always be an audience for that. And I think it's that passion that actually is is more important a lot of the time than just being able to have, you know, some nice visuals or, you know, a nice object at the end of the project. And the most valuable thing that I've learned is the importance of those human relationships. You know, one genuine relationship you know, is more valuable than a thousand followers or connections. And the understanding that you have with, with other people is incredibly important, in, in my opinion. And the main sign of success for me is to be able to create things that genuinely inspire some sort of emotion in people. There's a million ways to do that. And the technology and the tools and the skills required to do those things are, you know, they're always changing. And it is important to try and, you know, keep up with those things. But more important than any of that, I think it's about understanding how you connect to other people and how your work connects to people on an emotional level. And again, it comes back to this idea of knowing the value of your work and making sure that the things that you think are important come through in your work as well. This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Marianne Hanoon, and the guest was Patrick Stevenson-Keating, interviewed by Indy Davis. The editor was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand partners. They include GF Smith, Google, Sky Creative Agency, Heffler & Co, Colophon Foundry and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com and you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. The Creative Lives podcast will be taking a summer break, but we'll be back shortly with a new set of podcasts. So be sure to subscribe so that you're the first to know when the next one is out. Till then, have a great summer and see you soon.